You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, God comes to us. Now, this is a reversal about how we normally think about things. We normally think about things in the opposite way, that it's our business to get to God. It's our responsibility to climb up Jacob's ladder, to clamor into heaven. And in fact, that idea is the basis, the basic doctrine of every other religion in the world. We people, we sinners, are about the business of getting into heaven by our own efforts. But against this, Christianity comes and says, no, God comes to you. Now, that God comes to you is not yet good news. God could come, He could show up to wreak havoc. The Lord is coming was terrible news for Pharaoh, who was holding the Lord's people in bondage. The Lord is coming was terrible news for the, for the neighbors of Noah, or for the Canaanites living in the promised land, for the people selling stuff in the temple when Jesus came. Now, Advent is the season for meditating on the great good news that our Lord Jesus comes to us and that His coming to us is joy. And so we consider that. But we also in Advent consider how Jesus comes to us, in fact, in a threefold way. The first week of Advent, last week, we heard the triumphal entry of Jesus as He rode meekly into Jerusalem on a donkey and we consider with that text how the Lord continues to come to us in humility and lowliness in His Word. The next two weeks, next week and the week after, we hear the preaching of John the Baptist. And with this preaching, we consider what it means that that Jesus came the first time, that he was born in a manger. And we prepare our hearts to celebrate the joy of that at Christmas time. Today, though, we consider again how Jesus will come again a second time. We consider the signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. We hear about the distress of nations and, as Jesus says, people fainting with fear and with foreboding about what is coming to the world. Jesus' teaching throughout the Scripture of the last day is that it will be a terrible day, that the moon will turn red, the stars will fall from the sky, the entire earth will shake Graves will be opened. All human flesh will be raised. And the most frightening thing of all about the last day is that it is the judgment day. The day that all of humanity is held to account. So the coming of Jesus is not always good news. But Jesus is telling us, He's telling you these things today. He's prophesying these things and He's promising these things for us and for our benefit so that that last day of the world will not be a surprise, but that we would be ready for it. So that we, the Lord's people, would greet that day with joy. Lift up your head, says Jesus Because your redemption is drawing near. Not your destruction, not your judgment, not your horror. Your redemption draws near. Because Jesus who comes for you, again, is the one who died for you. And when this is true, 
When we have this, when we are ready for that day, when we're ready for the coming of Jesus, then, uh, then this is our greatest and most wonderful hope. But to be ready for this day means two things. Two, uh, in fact, two seemingly contradictory things. To be ready for Jesus means that we are ready for him to come back now, today, at any moment, before the sermon is finished, before the sun sets tonight. And on the other hand, to be ready for Jesus is to be ready for him not to come back today. And in fact, not to come back for many generations. The bridegroom was delayed and the day will come suddenly as a trap. I will come as a thief in the night and the Lord is patient about his coming. Both of these things are true. The Christian is therefore packed and ready to go and the Christian is settled in for the long haul. The Christian has their bag zipped up while they plant a tree or a vineyard. We think about tomorrow as the day of the resurrection, and we also think about the future and the lives of our great-great-grandchildren. Do you see it? Now, how can this be? How can we be, at the same time, both ready and anxious for the Lord's coming and patient and long-suffering for Him to come? How can we live like there is no tomorrow and, at the same time, live like tomorrow's will just keep on coming? Jesus tells us, in this text he tells us, Luke 21, verse 36, stay awake at all times. Stay awake. Now, Jesus, with those words, is not telling us that we shouldn't have bedrooms or beds or close our eyes at night. He's not telling us not to fall asleep in the sermon, although that could be a little bit closer to what he's getting at. Staying awake and alert and waiting for the end of the world has to do with our repentance, with our prayers, and with our vocation. Stay awake at all times and pray that you will have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and stand before the Son of Man. So three things. First, to be awake is to repent of your sins. It is to know that you have broken God's commands and deserved His wrath. And it is to know that Jesus has suffered this wrath for you. Contrition and faith, sorrow and trust, these are the two parts of repentance. And really, this is the essential thing for the readiness of Christ and His coming. That when He comes, He will find us repentant. Number one. Second, to be awake is to pray. Prayer is the first fruit that repentance brings. To to pray is to see our weakness and our death and to cry out for help. It is to hear the promise of Christ and to thank God for His kindness and His undeserved love. And so we pray for help. We pray for the world. We pray for the people around us, for our family and for our friends, that they would be ready and they would be repentant. This is what it means, secondly, to be awake and ready. And third, to be awake is to live in our vocation. 
to love our neighbor in the station of life where God has placed us. Now, we might be tempted to think, and I think this is a very interesting theological question, we might be tempted to think that if Jesus comes back tomorrow, then our family or our work is not that important. But that is not true. We know that Jesus has put us here, that he has given us our family and our vocation and our offices that we hold, and he's given us in these the command to love and serve and die for our neighbor there. So we live in our vocation as part of our readiness for the Lord's second coming. So these three things, repentance, Prayer and vocation. With these three three things, we are ready. We are ready for Jesus to come now, and we are ready for Jesus to come later. By these three, three things, we are awake. But to you who are awake, you know that the devil is always trying to tempt you to sleep. The devil is an expert at singing to us Spiritual lullabies. <laughs> now, normally we think of the devil's temptation, at least I think of it, as the alluring of us towards forbidden things. And this is true. The devil does do this. Just as the devil made the forbidden fruit beautiful and tempting for Eve and for Adam to, to look pleasing, that it was pleasing for the, to the eyes and good to eat so that they took a hold of that fruit and they ate it even though they were forbidden. This is how the devil tempts us. Lust, perhaps, is the most obvious of these, where the person who is not your spouse becomes desirable to you. But the devil can do this trick with all of his commandments. With the fourth commandment, honor your father and your mother, it seems better for children to have the respect of their friends than to have the respect of their parents. Or when we who are grown up, or almost grown up, I suppose, despise the authority over us and want to be our own authority, want to be our own boss. Or according to the fifth commandment, you shall not murder. When we put our own needs and our own comforts above the needs of the life of our neighbor, Or according to the seventh commandment, you shall not steal. We want the money and the stuff that isn't ours. Or according to the eighth commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. We want our reputation to be better than our neighbor's. Really, in fact, the ninth and the tenth commandments, you shall not covet, are exactly about this thing that we're talking about. To desire or want the thing that God has not given. And the devil tempts us this way. We are, in fact, engaged in a war for our desiring, a battle for our wanting. The devil is always tempting us to want and desire the things that God hasn't given. But, but, there's a flip side to this temptation. One which we often ignore, which is a bit subtle. And it is this. Just as the devil tempts us to want the things that we shouldn't have, he tempts us to despise or to become bored with the things that God has given to us. So while the devil tempts someone with someone else other than their spouse, he comes along and tempts that same person to be bored with their husband or wife. The new toy wrapped on the shelf in the store is always the thing that I've wanted, the thing that I have to have, while the same toy at home in your closet seems like old hat. You know this? The devil makes the grass over there look greener, while he makes the grass right here look browner. 
so that the thing you're not supposed to have looks great, but at the same time, the devil makes what you do have look worse, dull, gray, tired, boring. You see? So the devil tempts us not only to want the things that we're not supposed to have, but to despise the things that we do. And this is especially true with the way we are tempted to handle the first table of the law, the first commandments. It's here almost explicitly that the devil tempts us to boredom. So the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, gives us the great gift of God's word. Delight yourself in the law of the Lord. The scriptures say it over and over again. And that's the key word, delight. We're, to, we're supposed to have this godly longing and desire to hear God's word, to rejoice in his word. But the devil tempts us to be bored with this. I've heard that before. Same old stuff. No. There's a surprise on every page, in every word. The scriptures might be a lot of things, but one thing they are not is boring. It's impossible. Because here we listen to God doing something completely unexpected, to taking your flesh and your blood so that he could pile on your sin and die for you and give you new life. There is, in fact, nothing more wonderful and delightful than this. And the devil tempts us to become bored in our prayers. Cold, neglectful. This is a temptation against the second commandment. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And we all know this temptation as well. And it extends back to the first commandment. That God is our God. It is a stunning thing that before us is God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the crafter of the cosmos and our great God and Savior, speaking and listening and working and doing, and it seems to us boring. (laughs) This must be the devil's work to craft such a delusion, such a stupor, such a spiritual Sleep. But Jesus cuts through all of this. Through this temptation, through this film of vice, and He does it with His command, with His shout, His word to us this morning, stay awake. Look at the beauty and the wonder of what is right in front of you. The Lord has given you clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, your family, your life, your work, and everything else. And more, He has given you His Son, His blood, His living and dying and rising for you and for your eternal life. The Lord has given you His Word, your baptism, His Son's body and blood, His name, access to Himself in prayer, and His promise that He will hear you and listen to you. And He has lavished you, dear saints, lavished you with His promises, day after day, day, night after night, forgiving you your sins and giving you this promise that He is coming back for you. And this is wonderful and beautiful. And delightful. It is then in this faith, knowing that the God who is good is good for you, 
And that Christ, who was dead and raised, was dead and raised for you. It is in this faith that your sins are forgiven and you're and covered with His blood. It is in this faith that we are ready. It is in this faith that we are awake. And it is in this faith that we pray. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's Word of Hope. Hope Lutheran Church is located at 1345 Macon Street in Aurora, Colorado. Their weekly schedule is as follows. Sunday morning worship at 915, adult Bible class and youth Sunday school at 1045 a.m. On Tuesday mornings, there is a matin service at 830 a.m. with a Bible class to follow at 930 a.m. You can find out more about Hope Lutheran Church at www.hope-aurora.org. That's www.hope-aurora.org. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you in His grace.